We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15 percent. I hope that it can occur in a, a civil way, and I, 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 I mean civil in a special way, I, peaceful. The biggest question, in, maybe in economics and politics of the coming decade, will be what to do with all these useless people. I just see the need for such a dialogue, and I see the need for action. I see the need for a great reset. We are 47 months into two weeks to flatten the curve. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams for Tech Tuesday. How are you, Bruce? I'm healthy and alive, doing well. Glad to hear it. Well, into the tech news of the day. Shall we start with tactical EVs that are designed for the United States Armed Forces? <laughs> it's it's going to be a great transition. Yeah, it's, it's going to be fantastic. Yeah, because uh, that that there's no chance of that going wrong. Um, no, no, of course not. No. Now, you see, they just had something called uh, TEVCON or what, something like that, uh, which is the EV transition conference or, or whatever it is, um, it, which is a full-blown convention for those that are invested in the challenge. Yeah, you see the challenge of weaning the vehicles that troops carry into combat off of their conventional fuel sources into the more green and sustainable electric power. Yeah. Now, you know what? I, I thought I was I'm gonna play devil's advocate for just a second. I thought maybe I can see a possible excuse for one of these things. Only one. Okay, you wanna hear what it is? Yeah, let's hear it. If you are, say, for example, a SEAL team or special forces team or a ranger a ranger team or, or something like that, and you need to get in somewhere very quietly behind enemy lines, you can zip in with one of these things and zip out with no noise. That's the only logical reason I can see for one of these. That so kind of kind of the final leg short range yes. transport part. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. That that that's that's a viable I, I could go along with that. That's pretty viable because if, electric if, if vehicles you have are to be quiet. quiet. Yeah, if you have to be pretty if you have to be quiet because obviously you know you hear an internal combustion engine coming at you, you're gonna hear that. But yeah. If it's if it's really quiet, or you need to sneak up on something and you need to move into a you know a specific area, I could see that with, with no noise. Yeah, that, that that would make sense. I could, I could go along with that. Um, you, you're trying to be silent, but uh, replacing the 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 backbone, uh, like your logistics trucks or your uh, transportation vehicles, um, not happening. You're gonna replace the uh, turbine engine that's in the Abrams. Uh, with some kind of electric, yes. uh, yeah, that's not, yes. that's not going to happen. Yeah. Well, let's take a look at what the cost of that would be. Now, I'm when I'm ta I'm not talking about financial costs to to revamp all this stuff. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what you would need to offset what we already have in, say, a tank. So, if you want to change out that power plant, right? So, you need something. It's a 17 megawatt 
you know, generator to be able to charge that. So this is what you need. This is according to Legi- uh, Lieutenant General Ross Kaufman, who is Deputy Commanding General of Army Futures Command. He said, the technology does not exist. Let me say that again. The technology does not exist. So we're basing everything that we're talking about now, as far as the transition of military vehicles in the U.S. over to a, an all-EV fleet by guess what year? Not 2030. It's the next one. 2050. 2050. Yeah, go figure. The Pentagon just put out a paper on on that. Yeah, 2050 is their target date. But yet the technology does not exist. We're basing an action plan on replacing our entire fleet across across the services, with the exception of, I believe, the Marine Corps with EVs. And the technology does not exist in order to do it. Yeah. Now, so it, real quick. For yeah. for the listeners' sake, the the M1 Abrams, uh, since we were we were talking about it, uh, the newer variant of that I believe is about seventy tons in weight. So you're going to have to replace the 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 turbine engine, which I believe, if I remember right, that turbine engine is the same engine that's in a Huey um, or real similar engine, um, and it has uh, um, the the horsepower is something like um, it's something like. Uh, I'm wanting to say it's like 23 horsepower per ton or something like that. Um, So it's yeah, it's quite a bit. Yeah, Uh, but anyway, this this um, whatever. So this transition. Okay, so in order to do this, when you bring a tank in, for example, let's say you need to refuel a tank. Do you know how long that takes to refuel it? Right now. That I don't know, but I know it gets like half a mile to a gallon. So yes, that's about right. Yeah. So right now to refuel a tank from empty to topping it off, okay? Because you got to refuel these things and get them back out there. You got to dump all the diesel in there you can and get them back out. 15 minutes is the service time that you're dealing with for one of these now, which is not bad. That's not bad. To, to fill it back bad. up and, and get it back out, that's not bad. Or if you've got a fuel truck that's out there in, in theater and you need to get that thing topped off to move, fine, right? That's not bad. Now, to create an all-electric tank that can charge in the, quote, tactically relevant window of 15 minutes, right? That's, again, that's technology that does not yet exist. That that concept, I don't even think has been drawn up. You're going to need a 17 megawatt generator, uh, which is what a tank would need to meet this target. And if you, <laughs> you're ready for this one, this is the kicker. In order to create that type of generator to be able, which would have to run off of diesel, to be able to charge the electric tank, you would be burning 1,200 gallons of diesel per hour. Jeez. That's, that's um that's according to the Institute for Energy Research. This is real that, efficient. Yeah, th- this is really efficient. green. That's green and efficient and sustainable, as they said. Uh, uh, green energy is. It, that's not. That's not even close to viable. Twelve hundred gallons per hour of diesel is what that would burn. Good lord. Uh, they also yeah. say they're talking about retrofitting uh, and and doing fuel saving retrofitting. Really. <laughs> It's just I, all right. I'm not even going to give this any more airtime. Do you, do you have anything else you want to say on that? That is, um, again, if we're talking like insertion vehicle, uh, EV could make sense in, in a stealthy scenario. But anything other than that, like there, there's nothing. Um, it, 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 oh, yeah, there, there it is. I was looking for the fuel capacity. 504.4 gallons, U.S. gallons uh, for uh, the Abrams. Uh, but yeah, that's, um, that's over, that's almost 2000 liters 
Uh, but anyway. Yeah, but you're going to need 1,200 gallons per hour of diesel to charge, a, to run through the generator to charge the electric tank, to hit the target yeah. you need. Yeah. And, and the other thing is that you're, to keep in mind, the current vehicles right now, it wasn't the, the, the semi-variant that we've seen. Uh, it's something like... Um, uh, 300 miles or something like that on one charge uh i think so maybe which is, which is 500 actually, yeah which is i mean that's not bad but then you got charge time and then you've got electricity to to charge and then you know fuel to hey, where where do you think this electricity is going to come from the sky you think you're going to get that from yeah. solar panels you're not uh it, currently the operational range of an uh m1a2 is um 265 miles so you're going to have to match that with electric on a 70 ton vehicle plus it needs to be um it, it, we, we we've talked about it before these evs uh they they get exposed to heat too much heat or water or you know a, a simple short circuit and those batteries go up it i mean there, there, there's no okay. stopping the fire let's, it's it's really bad all right let's let's go another way what if one of these things takes a direct impact as tanks yeah, do if, if if it hits the battery pack uh it's done uh, the, the, in World War II, the, uh, Sherman tanks had the, uh, nickname of a Tommy cooker, uh, by the Nazis. That's what it would end up being again. It would be a Tommy cooker. You, yeah, you would well, get hit by an AT round of any kind. And if it hit the battery pack, that's it. it it's going up. Well, I, I believe I'm not entirely certain, but I believe that we have the self-sealing tanks on, on the, the fuel, the fuel cells of the, uh, the tanks now, self-sealing gas tanks or diesel tanks. Yeah. But Almost all the, I think all military vehicles nowadays have self-sealing uh, fuel tanks. What an absolute waste. Absolute waste of time. Right. Um, we kind of rounded off on this last week. There's vague talk about Russia putting nukes into space and or they already have them there. EMPs. Uh, we can we can discuss some of that. This is something you and I've been warning about for quite some time. Yeah. The, the other thought that I had, we, we were talking about this because of... Um, some recent uh, stuff going on in Congress and uh, top secret stuff. I thought about that. What if they launch satellites with um, just the warheads already in place? Yeah. And, and it's all nuclear, nuclear device on it. Yeah. Yeah. And then it could sit there in orbit for who knows how long before they push the button and it, it launches. And at that point, they don't need like a, a large booster rocket or any of those kind of things on it uh, to, to release a nuclear warhead. They could have just the... Um, RCS systems or, or you know, a, a light uh, explosive um, to, to just get it off the, the satellite. Um, and then if it's a cluster munition, like most warheads are, they could release like a, up to 12 or more in, in one go. And once the warhead has been released and enters the atmosphere, there's no, we don't have any systems that can shoot it down um, well effectively because you you have to pick it up on radar and then you have to uh accurately shoot it down before it lands i know you said yesterday well at time of recording i know that you said on the uh, the last podcast you sent me a dm last night and you said that you were going to jokingly say something about bags of sand <laughs> the, that would yeah, fix it. It, <laughs> yeah in in reference to the uh uh possible anti-satellite or you know something something to that effect uh yeah i was i was going to joke about the china's uh um defense mechanism against satellites or, or attack method. Um, it, it could be something as simple as that. Just anti, anti-satellite weapons. Uh, honestly, they could launch a satellite that's uh, either chemically based or even with solar panels and have a laser on it. 
and just use that to shoot down other satellites. That is a viable option. And you know something? That is actually something I've been reading about. Uh, and that that's not a new concept. That goes back into like the mid-60s is when we started toying around with that. Uh, and this is, I, I believe this is something that, this is this is why we started creating the, um, or Trump uh, created the Space Force, was to deal with this, this upcoming threat of this. And you know what? They're talking about Russia putting an anti-satellite nuke in space, but I have yet to see a nuclear bomb that would deal with a nuke or that would deal with a satellite. That's not what it's for. If you put a nuclear detonation into space, say, oh, I don't know, 40 miles uh, or 40, yeah, about 40 miles, 40, 50 miles above, say, I don't know, Kansas, you know what that's going to do? That will put the continental United States, most of Canada and probably Cuba, of course, Cuba already is, back into the Stone Age is what it would do. That would put us 200 years in the past. If you detonate the same thing over Paris, that's lights out for Europe. Yeah, there would be a lot of other side effects um, if you detonated it uh, that high up. The the thing with detonating uh, nuclear weapons in space, it doesn't have the air resistance pushing back against the explosion. So the explosion is actually a lot bigger uh, than it would be uh, on the Earth's surface. Um, so theoretically, it would damage a much wider area. It's possible if they get it far enough out that our magnetic field might shield us from the EMP blast, uh, depending on how far out they they launch it. Um, but if they if they did uh, forty miles, let's see what what is geosynchronous? Is that was that thirty six thousand miles or something like geosynchronous that? Geosynchronous is thirty five thousand. Thirty five thousand. Okay, so that's the kind of stuff you would want to hit technically, um, and at that range, we would be fine. Uh, there would be no EMP. Um, effect on the surface because the magnetic field uh, would would shield us. But at, at 40 miles, that would be a problem. And then again, we don't actually know that that's what this is. We don't know if that's if that threat is is what this is or not. But you know what? I'm not ruling this out. And like I said, I've been talking or we've been talking about this for I, I think we're going on years now, aren't we? Yeah, we've we've talked about it's been brought up multiple times uh, in our, um, you know, being prepped uh, with uh, survival stuff and whatnot. But also we've talked about it again when the China situation with the balloons coming across, we brought it up there too. So uh, this is definitely a topic we've hit on multiple times. Being prepped is one of the most, one of the most important things. If you have any electronic devices that you want to protect in a case of a localized EMP, such as, oh, I don't know, a Chinese balloon or uh, something coming from a little bit higher up, say whatever this is, then I would recommend you take a look at some of these Faraday bags that you can pick up on Amazon for a pretty reasonable price, about $20, 20 euros, 20 pounds, whatever. And anything that you want to keep safe, you just drop in that little bag. And you know what? They actually serve a purpose when you're not protecting things from an EMP blast. And that is, it actually shields your phone. So if you drop your phone in there, it's essentially dead until you take it back out. There's no tracking. There's no tracing. There's no nothing. The signal cannot penetrate that bag and you cannot be tracked. You cannot be listened to or, or eavesdropped on or any of that stuff. So I always keep a few of these things on hand just in case. All right, moving right along. We talked the last couple of weeks about the Apple Vision Pro, you know, the little scuba diver goggle things. Well, yeah. there's a little bit of a problem with them now. They've been out for a few weeks and you have a lot of well, a lot of their customers. They're they're unhappy with them. They're, they're a little upset. They're returning them and they're getting a full refund for them. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, for what reason? Uh, well, other than the price tag. The well, no, it's not the price tag. People are happy to fork it over and and to get it. But the problem is, is that they're complaining about headaches, eye strain, and busted blood vessels in their eyes. <laughs> uh, so 
that is no surprise. I, I know of people that first got into it and they were addicted to it. Honestly, it doesn't sound like any kind of new strain unless there's some kind of new technology involved in these things that is uh, solely unique. There's not this isn't this isn't new. This isn't I know of people that spent literally months in, in VR. So like they even possible? slept there. I was well, slept they, there. They, yeah. They, yeah. So it, it, it's um, uh, it, it can be addicting. So the the whole signs of fatigue and whatnot that they're talking about there, um, no surprise. Uh, if if the headset is really that good, um, no surprise. They say that it's uh, some of these comments. They say uh, we bought the headset. They say they were amazed with it, but they returned it. Uh, they say it is the future, and it is you know the hardware is great, but the reasons. And here's the three reasons why someone returned it. It's heavy. Wearing it on your head, no matter which of the two, or no matter which of the two straps you wear, it's really heavy. Uh, it's hard on your eyes. If you ever wore glasses for the first time or contacts for the first time, you know what I'm talking about. Yes, that's true. Your vision goes all kinds of crazy until you get used to it. Uh, it caused the person to get a headache every time they wore it. They got a headache for at least a few hours. So the eyesight thing, or you know, as like getting new contacts or glasses, yeah, um, that could easily be you just haven't quite fine tuned uh, the headset because you do have the ability to move the lenses around and adjust it's almost like um uh, binoculars if you've ever played with those how you can adjust each eye and everything it's the same concept with that but the other the other issue that people don't i i I don't know if this is common knowledge or something it wasn't common knowledge for me and i i go to the eye doctor regularly uh being as i wear glasses your your eyes are actually straining when you're looking at objects up close so by wearing those uh goggles even though you may be looking at things that are 3d and and in the distance or what have you you're still looking at a screen that's very close so your eyes are flexing the 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 muscles for focusing when you're looking at things up close it's your eyes are actually the the muscles are contracting so you're you're flexing all the time basically uh, and you need you need to take uh, every two to four hours, just like you if you're in front of a computer at, at a workspace or what have you every two to four hours, you need to stretch your body. You also need to stretch your eyes. Look out the window at something in the distance. Uh, it, it lets your eyes relax and you do that for a few minutes um, every few hours. Um, that's what my eye doctor explained uh, here recently. Uh, well, recently, it's been like 10 years ago, but yeah. That was not ever taught to me uh, when it comes to uh, c- computers or any of that kind of stuff. So a little PSA there for you if you're going to be in the VR world or office space. I see the actual technology, though, dropping down to a pair of glasses, kind of like what you're you're wearing at the moment. I see that that eventually switching to that and it will be specific for it. I, again, you know, it's just, it's just the it's the first gen, you know, first generation of, of that kind of thing. So I see I see that changing. I mean, I, I agree. Eventually, it will change. Um, but I, I think the ones that people are going to wear every day and be glasses—that's going to end up being um, augmented reality. I don't think you'll actually see VR headsets that are going to be as small as they may be as small as glasses, but they're still going to be the cumbersome, you know, closing off vision and everything. Because the the whole idea of a VR is to close off. It's to basically allow you to immerse yourself in in um whatever you're whether it's a movie or a, a video game or what have you it, it, it's meant to completely immerse whereas augmented reality would would function a lot better as um glasses 
On to the last topic here. Bruce, we like yachts. Yeah, I love looking at these things. I don't know why. This is not a concept, okay? This is a this is an actual yacht that exists. And it's not bad. I have to admit, it's it's pretty good. It's called the AK Royalty, right? And here it is. You see, there's a picture of it. It is the it is the only yacht that is in existence that is painted with 24 karat gold. It's, it's good. I was, was going to say, it, it looks pretty cool. And then uh, 24 karat gold, oof, yeah. that's a bit yeah, pricey. It's not, it's not bad, but pricey. Listen to this. It, it, pricey. I'm not going to get into the price of this stuff, right? It's 160 or 136 feet, okay? 24 karat gold paint job. Uh, let me see. It comes with a pair of gold jet skis and an electric underwater scooter, also known as sea bobs. Yeah, those are pretty cool. Uh, and those are, uh, and you get gold fixtures and fittings that run around all through everything. Isn't that great? I mean, this is a nice looking thing, isn't it? Take a look at that. It's, it's, it's not, it's not bad. It, it's uh, not exactly my style, but it looks nice nonetheless. It, yeah. Well, to be honest with you, it's a bit small. I have to be honest. It, it is a bit small for my taste. I, I like something yeah. just a little bit bigger, you know? <laughs> yeah. You can only put 12 guests on this thing. Right, you just just twelve. That's that, all you can do. That is that is a bit small. It is rather mm-hmm. limited. Yeah, it is. You know, you expect a little bit more out of that. You know, especially. Um, it, you see, it took f- six months to refit the yacht with the exterior paint job, and of course that was a it's a big thing. You know, you're gonna repaint something in twenty four karat gold, and you're gonna do a couple of jet skis with. Now look, this is nice. Yeah, I mean, it, it does look nice. Yeah. Yeah, you've also got carpet from Fendi, right? Fendi's the big, uh, uh, the designer, you know, bag designer or whatever. Uh, you've got marble-clad bathrooms, mirrored panels above all the beds, uh, <laughs> because why wouldn't you want those, right? You've got Go back to gold tones. Yes, of course. Yeah, but and seventies, yeah. You've got yeah. um, you got gold tones all across the uh, the deck there for uh, for compliment. You've got a monochrome color scheme, and it comes with all the furnishings, right? Uh, and you got five guest cabins, uh, including a spacious master suite with steam shower, a sauna, freestanding bathtub, and even an in-suite bathroom. And uh, you see, check out those jet skis. Isn't that nice? I mean, it does. It's actually a nice color of gold. Um, I it have is. To admit, yeah, it does look nice. Yeah. Uh, you also get a number of well extracurricular activities and toys that come with this. You have an inflatable twelve foot uh, person. Excuse me. You have an inflatable slide, a twelve person floating trampoline, scuba diving equipment, and two stand up paddle boards, uh, along with the, of course the gold jet skis. I mean, as far as yachts go, that's uh, that's pretty nice. It's, it's not uh, bad. Yeah, it's You've not got, bad. You got a lot of space outside to sit back and relax. You've got uh, sun loungers. You got a jacuzzi, dining areas to host guests. You've also got fitness. Yeah, you got a you got a gym on board. It doubles as an outdoor gym on the uh, you know where the like the sun layers are. Uh, you've got boxing equipment, resistance bands, training benches, and yoga mats. Yeah, so you can do all that stuff on it. You've also got a uh, a nighttime spot on the place where you can uh, redo everything, and you can put up a, a DJ booth and speakers on the main deck, and you can just kind of party as you're just floating around out there in the in the bay there how much did that paint job cost well they don't say well yeah they they don't say uh but it is available for charter and this might have something to do with the price uh it is available for summer and winter charters in the arabian gulf and you can sail it around the um, port of dubai uh anytime you like (laughs) you see um Uh and they promise it'll be a vacation to remember now bruce if you want to book a week vacation because that's all they sell by the way is just a week at a time if you want to book a week for you and your guest it will only cost you the low low price of one hundred and twenty thousand dollars for that week oof yeah that's um that that, that's a multiple years uh that's two years worth of pay that's a house in the midwest is what that that is that is a house in the middle yeah 
That is a lot of money, jeez. But I guess if you're somebody that is going to take a vacation like that, you're probably making millions a year anyway, and it's just pocket chains for you. Yeah, why not? Well, if you're Alexander Soros, for example, you know, you need, he's got himself a new girlfriend, yeah. so he's they're going to have to go somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He probably owns a yacht like that. Be, I'm sure yeah. he does. Yeah. yeah. Sure he does. The billions they have. Yeah, you got anything else? No. No, that's, that's all I got. All right, we will go ahead and call this one done. I'll see you later in the week. Take care, my friend. Thank you for being here today. Thank you to all of the listeners. God bless everyone, and have a great evening.